0: First Corinthians, develop. This man said, my wife said I really need to grow up. So naturally I was speechless. And then he continues, it's hard to say anything when you have 45 gummy bears in your mouth. (laughs) So Corinth was a crossroads connecting northern and southern Greece. It's about four miles wide and had a a port, a seaport on either side. So it was a huge crossroads, north and south, east and west. And so when you have a crossroads, what do you have? (laughs) You you have everything. I mean, it was an everything, well, or anything goes type town. So to call someone a Corinthian, was meaning that they were kind of immoral or how you'd call a girl loose. It was not a compliment, okay? So morally, they had a temple to Aphrodite or Venus. They were known by different names. And the temple there in Corinth had a thousand priestesses, which were basically temple prostitutes. They said, well, oh, preacher, why are you bringing this up? This is history, okay? They would paint pornography basically on the sides of the walls. They this worshiped the human body. And even now, you can go see sculptures, the Greek sculptures, and they're all sans clothes, right? I don't know if they had any runway models that modeled clothing or if they just modeled models. I don't know. But uh, when you have so much sin that's going on, you can get sick of it pretty quick. So Paul started a church here on his second missionary journey. And over the next few weeks, several weeks, we would like to look at what the Holy Ghost dealt with Paul about and deal with developing or growing our Christian walk. And because there's so many things that he writes to a church, but there's so many things that this church uh, needed to grow and develop in. So this book is about the theme of Corinthians is Christian life and conduct. And you've heard it said, what's the biggest room in your house? The room for improvement right? So what's the store right next to the church? Home Depot. What is it? The home improvement store. How big is it? Bigger than a 7-Eleven, right? Because there's all kinds of things that you can do to improve your house. There's all kinds of projects. In fact, you can improve a new house, okay? You buy a house and could improve it. So, uh, and so in developing our life you know one of the things that's kind of essential to develop our life is discontent you have to i can read first corinthians but we really have to kind of have a healthy discontent with the way we are before we really change otherwise we'll change on new year's for what like is it four weeks is that, is that how long it works woohoo, I'm buying all of those workout clothes, and then I'll just save them for next year, you know, but, you know, that the exercise bike is a nice, they, they double, they should sell exercise bike slash clothes drying rack, because that's all that it is, when we were in the Marine Corps, we got a free exercise machine, so I lived in a barracks, and we were Marines, we did, we did workouts, so it was like a pull-up bar, dip machine, you know, and it was this big contraption with this and we, we somehow muscled it into the room and we had three guys in the room and this big machine in the middle of the room. And we used it like once, I don't know, maybe twice. And then you know what we did? We hung our uniforms, it had all these like, things. And that's really what we, I mean, we were Marines and eventually it left. I used to point out exercise machines to my wife. Honey, look, another orange exercise machine. Preacher, they're not orange. Yes, they are, because they're metal. And when you set them outside, they rust. So I was like, oh, there's another one, it's orange! So, but, you know, when we really become discontent, see, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain, so there are things we should be content with. But spiritually, the Bible doesn't command us to be content, it says we're commanded to grow. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter uh, uh, encourages us, he says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. So, you know, covetousness is, is condemned with like physical things. You're not supposed to covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's possessions. It's the 10th commandment. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Covet, really? Covet earnestly the best gifts. That the things that God gives us, we should desire them. So with that said, if you have a little uh, healthy, it's healthy to be discontent with where you are spiritually. And I don't know if I felt that way, like, man, I need to pray more. When we get to that point where we're just like, I don't want to do this again, then we begin to develop our walk. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 1 to 9, develop your approach. Have y'all had an unhealthy approach or a healthy approach to the way we approach people and talking about difficult subjects? So Paul has a healthy approach. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Sosthenes was the ruler of a synagogue. You can read about him in Acts. Evidently, he got saved because he said, He's our brother. And Paul declared here also, you notice he said he's an apostle. It's like the highest rank that God has. Literally, it means to be sent. So God sends these men to win and develop people into Christians and build his church. And then he says in verse 2, "...under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints." With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. I like this. He said, in every place. You know, right now, have you ever been to someone's place and you're like, nice place. You know, it's like some huge place. Maybe there's like, you know, looking through all the bathrooms. Like, nice place. It's interesting. Paul said, in every place. What was he talking about? The places that they worshiped. Because you see, the church is not a building. We're worshiping. It's a place. It could be a nicer place. We thank God for it. It's going to have cleaner carpets soon. But the body of Christ is the church. We, We who are redeemed by his blood are part of his body. He is the head, and Corinthians will tell us that we are parts of the body of Christ. But Paul said, in every place where they call upon the name of Jesus, you know, one of the things that We need to realize is, and I I make it a habit to do this every day, is to call upon Jesus. You know, God wants to hear from you. And you know what? I need miracles every day. I don't know about you. So I'm just not content. I need God to deal with my heart. I need God to be the God between my ears. Have you ever had problems between your ears, like thoughts and stuff? I need Jesus. I call upon him all the time. Now, the Bible doesn't say we get over that. So I say, oh, preacher, but I've been coming to church for a long time. You know me too but i realize more now that i need god more than i used to think i need him i need god every moment i need god amen verse three grace be unto you i love the grace of god amen the grace of god is awesome and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ you know walking in god's grace is a blessing it is a blessing right when when you're walking in God's grace, there was this uh, Winn Dixie parking lot, and it had these uh, these shopping carts with radio. They had these radio like controls on them. You know, like the invisible collar for the dog. <laughs> so at the edge of the parking lot, their wheel would lock up because people would steal them. You know, or they just walk away. So at the edge of the parking lot, it would just lock up, and then they had like a little. Uh, like a mud flap on the back of the shopping cart because people would try to lift up the cart after the front wheel locked up and you couldn't lift it up. So it would be very awkward to try to... And then they would abandon the carts. You could see where the outside of that perimeter... It was invisible, but it was some kind of computerized perimeter. And uh, I saw some people and they were trying to push the cart. And I said, Sir, you can't, you can't take it. They're like, they're, they're like monitor. And he goes... Well, I wasn't trying to steal it. Like, whatever, right? But you know what? I thought about that in God. You know, God has an area that He wants us to operate in in our lives, and things work smoothly. But if we try to go outside of His grace, you know what happens? The wheel locks up. And we can try to finagle it and try to move it. But you know what? I just want to be walking in the grace of God. And you know that there's so many blessings. God knows the desires of your heart. We were at a church conference and I said, I want to go to this one espresso place one time because it was good. So I go up in there and I'm talking to the lady and this is my once a year, once every three years espresso at Cassie's corner, right? And the lady's talking to me and then she goes, oh, I'm going to buy your drink. And I'm like, really? And you know what? I accepted. And so I just got, I don't know how much it, it was, seven bucks? I was going to buy it anyway. Say, preacher, but it was, it, was just, it was just a coffee. I believe it was the grace of God. You know, I want to be in the grace of God. I said, well, preacher, but that it does happen. God blesses his children who are in his grace. So stay in the right parking lot, right? So verse 3. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God wants us to walk in his grace. He said, I thank God. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Notice Paul's approach. He cared about people. It's been shared. People don't care how much you know until they know How much you care you know when you're dealing with your children and when you're dealing with uh you know have you ever had to correct your children before no i have (laughs) right before church (laughs) (gasps) so preacher what do you do well you know i like to i like to heap on some love and grace and it seems like you know you could threaten them and it would work the nuclear button always works like I'm i'm the dad it works but uh, I remember I basically went out and just, I stood her up against the column and she looked like, you know, what was gonna happen two minutes before service starts. And I looked at her and we had this little game that we play and I gave her a bunch of time to watch, watch a device. I said, Preacher, but that was a reward. Yeah, I know it's counterintuitive, but guess what, her attitude got fixed anyway. But you know, when, when people know that you love them, they'll treat you differently and they'll receive correction from you if they know that you care. There was a man who had a small, like a, a, a store, like a grocery store. It was really small. And he was talking to one of his friends, the proprietor, and he said, I just don't know why this store won't grow. It's been the same. You know, I, you know, I do business, but my store isn't growing. And the customer said, oh, okay. And the, the owner said, give me two reasons why my store isn't growing. And the customer, who was his friend, he looked at a lady who was shopping, and he said, what's that lady's name that's over there shopping? And the owner looked at her, he said, I don't know, and I don't care. And the friend said, those are your two reasons (laughs) why your store isn't growing. (laughs) You know that when we know and we care about people, then they'll receive correction from us. See, Paul's getting ready to correct people, but you know what? In any relationship, we're going to have to correct people. So we're going to have to show them that we care about them because if people don't think you care about them, they're not going to want to receive any correction. Have you ever seen like the, the movies where the get- person gets the ticket from the cop and throws it out the window or throws it in their back seat? It was like, I don't care because I don't think you care about me, but God cares about us. Verse 5, that in everything, Paul is saying this to the church, you're enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. He's saying God saved you. God showed that he uh, received you to himself so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God will never stop working on us. He'll never stop working. Has God ever stopped working on you, brother? Every time I go to conference, I feel like it's my first time. Like, oh, I don't know what they're going to say. It never gets, Brother Spencer, it doesn't ever change. It's like, oh, it's awesome, though. It's like, God, I'm waiting for God to do something good in my life, right? Amen. It says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He'll continue to develop us until the day of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get ready for God to work on me. God is faithful, verse 9, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what my greatest benefit is? That I can pray and God will hear me. That's the greatest benefit of any Christian that I'm on speaking terms with God. Have you ever had a disagreement with your spouse? I'm married. You may know that, but people listening might not know. And if you ever had a disagreement with your spouse and you're talking with them on the phone, what do you do? Bye. <laughs> you don't do that? After you said what you're gonna say, you cut them off in the middle. got oh, too bad. Communication stops, right? same with God, though. But I never want to stop. I did that recently with my wife. We were disagreeing about something. I said, "But," You know what I did? After a few minutes, I called back. I said, honey, I'm sorry. I said, preacher, I thought you had a perfect relationship. I have a relationship like any of you do. But you see, I don't stay mad. I don't stay disagreeable. I don't stay mad. Why? Because I want to have fellowship with my wife. You know, that it's a blessing to be married. It's God's greatest team. So the thing is, if you get mad in your Christianity, don't stay mad at God long, okay? Get the fellowship back. Get get talking to God. And if you're married, get the fellowship back with your wife. If you've got a brother or sister in the Lord, get the fellowship back with them. Just start the communication up. If you got to say, Lo siento. Compromiso. You've got to say, I'm sorry. Say you're sorry. And just go on. Amen. So. Get the gummy bears out of your mouth. And then (laughs) develop. Verses 10 to 16. Develop unity. So he was developing approach. He was just very gentle, kind, showing he cared about them. And if you want to give someone a a compliment, make it two Sincere and specific. Don't just flatter someone. If you really want to give them a compliment, make it sincere with your children, your spouse and make it specific. And people will receive it then. So he was giving them a bunch of those in verses 1 to 9. Verses 10 to 16, develop unity. Unity. I tell people, when you have a family, you, two things you, you develop in your family, you develop traditions and memories. Things that your family does specifically and then make memories of your Family because that's you 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 know you know it makes this is what it means to be a member of the the brown family or the green family or any other Crayola color right but we, we, we are just this is what we do we are the same in this family now it says unity not uniform we're all different okay our unity is in what Christ our desires and likes are all over the place like my daughter, she said, my favorite car is a Tesla. And after that, it's a pickup. And after that, it's a van because it's lots of extra seats. And then I think she said Subarus, which I own, is like down the, down the, down the road. And then she saw this little Mazda like MX-5 little, little car. She goes, hey, hey, we'll trade you a Subaru for that. And did she saying? Like, she really doesn't like my car. That's OK. I just wanted to like my God. I don't care if she has any other things that she likes. That they're the same as me. And this is what Paul is saying. He said, brethren, you've got to be unified in Christ. So, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions... Among you, there were some disagreements. Now, this I say that every one of you saith, "I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas." That's Peter, and I of Christ. So the church was saying, "Like, I'm a Paulian. Paul's my my my, my man. And Apollos, he's my man. I'm a Paulian. I'm Cephan. You know, I'm I'm. You know, everyone was kind of saying, picking their favorite preacher. And then Paul said, "Is Christ divided?" Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know, when we get divided in Christ, someone's wrong, okay? He said, I thank God that I baptized none of you, he said, but Crispus and Gaius, a couple folks. Lest that any should say that I had baptized mine own name. And he said, and ba- I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether... I baptized any other. And then verse 17 to 31, I'm running out of time. So let me continue. So we need unity. We need to develop our approach, develop unity. In verse 17 to 31, we need to develop wisdom. You know that whole book of Proverbs? You know what that's about? Wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom isn't facts and you know getting a hundred on the test at school wisdom is good sense have you ever had someone that just didn't have good sense I mean they were a know-it-all they had a hundred and some million IQ but they didn't know how to change the oil in their car you know they didn't know that the you know like I've done this before like I mean like there's a I think I've done this problem like you push on the door with all your might and above it it says pull <laughs> but you're like does it work wisdom right that's what wisdom is good sense so spiritually we need to develop wisdom for christ sent me not to baptize it's not about being baptized in water or by a certain preacher or being baptized in the jordan just get wet in the fi- name of the father and the son of the holy ghost and come back up and that's what jesus commanded us to do but he said but to preach the gospel that's the important thing that's what we do a lot of in new testament christian church we preach a lot of the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I remember a lady that came to church. She goes, are you a screamer? Before she came. Well, you know what? Some people probably wonder. You know, she had gone to one of our churches. She said, the guy lifted up his voice. And I said, well, I lift up my voice. But when someone comes for the first time or they're not a Christian, they might wonder, why is that guy? lifting up his voice it's just weird but you know what it says but to us which are saved it is the power of god the gospel means something and preachers lift up their voice because that's what preach means it means to herald or to cry like the newspaper boy extra extra read all about it that's what preaching is because you've got a message and i'm competing with everyone else's grocery lists and everyone else's you know if you're hungry you're like hey i'm gonna get oh no no i'm gonna get two hamburgers two hamburgers i know Because that's what I'm even thinking of. Or like, I got to use the restroom, preacher. I got to use the restroom. That's all I'm thinking about, okay? For it is written. That's why preachers lift up their voice, okay? For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's what God said. And will bring, and this is in Greece where they thought they were so intelligent, right? They still study Greek philosophers. And will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish? The wisdom of this world. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Men didn't discover God by philosophy. Okay? It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now God's foolishness is wiser than men's wisdom. It says that a little while down here. For the Jews require a sign. They were always asking Jesus, show us a miracle. And the Greeks seek after wisdom, you know, the beard-stroking wisdom, like, mmm, yes, mhm yes. But we preach Christ crucified. What, you mean your hero died? That's not a hero. Unto the Jews a stumbling block. What do you mean he died? How can, that's not a miracle. He's dead. And the Greeks, foolishness. What? That's foolish. He's not strong. He doesn't look good naked on a statue. He's a dead, bloody person. But it says... But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross wasn't the end. He rose from the dead three days later. Because the foolishness of God, I like this, is wiser than men. You can learn something from an ant. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Man, it's an amazing thing. George Washington Carver he wanted God to deal with his heart about something, and he wanted to do something. And so he, he prayed this prayer, and you can check it out. And then he, he's like, well, God te- dealt with it in his heart. Well, just how about just the peanut? You know, do something with the peanut. And he did all of these amazing things with the lowly peanut. George Washington Carver, just check him out. He's an amazing inventor. But God can do amazing things with what other people think are foolish. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not that many wise men after the flesh, not that many mighty, not that many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base, the low things of the world, like that harlot Rahab, dirty prostitute i wouldn't want her in my house well god put her in his lineage isn't that something you can read about her in the new testament because god doesn't think like we think god can redeem people god can change people and the bible said and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and the things which are not things that are nothing to bring to nothing or not the things that are or that think they are that here's the key and this is the wisdom okay This last part is just that we should glorify God and put God first. It said that no flesh should glory in his presence. Paul said later, he said, him that glorieth. If you want to boast about something, glory in the Lord. Paul even boasted in his infirmities. Man, that's pretty rough, right? But the Bible says in verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. The Bible said the word of God makes wise the simple. The word of God can do that to you and me. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says in Psalms, is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's acknowledging God in our lives. God will give you wisdom. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption that according as it is written. I guess I just said this. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And you know what? You can take that. That's something that you gets actionable, right? You can begin to glory in God and let your life develop wisdom. So develop your approach, develop unity in your family, in your church. And you know, if you if you go through some things together that are rough in the church, it makes you closer. That's why when we go to these conferences, everyone's, close. Why? We've been through things together. Talking to Reverend Brooks and different things that we faced at the other location 20 years ago. We've been through things together, and it's a blessing. And we develop wisdom, and Christ is our wisdom, and Christ will guide your life. At this time, though, uh, Brother Rick, could you dismiss us in prayer? Hey, God bless you. We'll see you Thursday. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thursday for service, in Christ's name, amen. Amen.